Hi, CityCast listener. Right now, Houston Municipal Courts are offering amnesty to speeders who haven't taken care of outstanding tickets. Through Saturday, if you, a traffic scofflaw, show up at court, you won't get arrested. Instead, you can pay off your fine at a discount, and you'll walk away free and clear. This doesn't apply to parking tickets, just to traffic citations and other citations the Mooney Court handles. The city says the program is to save citizens money and to clear cases off the books. But it got me thinking. With all the talk about being tough on crime, how tough, really, is Houston on traffic crime? How serious are we about making our streets safer? Today, I'm talking with Joe Cotrufo. He's the head of Bike Houston and one of Houston's most ardent supporters of traffic safety. A quick word before we really get going. Houston being Houston, while we were doing this interview, a storm rolled in. So you're going to hear some thunder and rain. It's Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Hey, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Does Houston have a culture of speeding? On the freeways, I sort of assume that the posted speed limit is basically the minimum safe speed. We have a culture of driving fast, and we have a culture of driving a lot. Mm -hmm. When you drive a lot, you build up a lot of habits. And you tend to forget that whether you intend for it or not, your vehicle is a weapon. Mm -hmm. I like to think that we sort of have two different types of speeding, a sort of systemic speeding that's kind of built into the system. Like, say, for example, you have a street where your posted speed limit or your default speed limit is 30 miles per hour, but it's a wide, flat street with multiple lanes, not a whole lot of congestion. And, you know, if the speed limit's 30, but you feel comfortable going 45, maybe 40 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of cues that sort of tell you to drive faster. Very little friction like trees or parked cars along the curb, which can actually subconsciously make you drive a little bit slower. Yeah. Um, No traffic control devices like stop signs or traffic signals, nothing like speed humps or anything like that. Most people would be comfortable going 40 or 45, for example. Mm-hmm. This is what I call systemic speeding. It feels like a freeway. Yeah. When you design something that feels like a freeway, you're bound to act like you're on a freeway. Streets with multiple lanes cue drivers to jockey for position, to speed up so you can be in a better spot at the next light, or to get around somebody who's going slower so you can get in the oh. left lane to make a turn, for example. But then you have another type of speeding yeah. that I tend to think of as more like antisocial speeding. Mm-hmm. And this is where traffic control devices and those subconscious cues don't really do you any good. You actually need some sort of enforcement. What is antisocial speeding like? It's the speeding that we think of. It's the, you know, that maniac who's going 55 miles per hour past my kid's school. Mm-hmm. It's the hyperbolic speeding that we see once in a while that is rare and memorable person who's doing it knows good and well that they are doing something that is illegal and possibly dangerous. Yeah. Thankfully, it's a lot less common than the systemic speeding, but it happens. That type of speeding, you know, when you're going, say, double the speed limit, that makes the difference between a fender bender and a funeral. Are we seeing that kind of speeding more since the pandemic? I mean, it seems to me that I see it in my own neighborhood. You know, we have people who do donuts in the street. You know, we hear racing going on in the suburbs. Is that just me? 
Do you have a sense of whether people are driving faster now? I think so. The popular theory as to why traffic fatalities increased across the country in 2020, even though there were fewer people driving because they were working from home and Mm -hmm. going fewer places, was that roads were less congested and people were able to drive faster and felt comfortable driving faster because there were fewer vehicles on the roads. How important is enforcement of speeding laws and traffic laws? I mean, I assume it's important that if there were no laws that people would speed more of that antisocial sort of speeding you were talking about. But Germany and the Autobahn seem to be relatively safe. So for a long time in the United States, traffic safety had been, and in many places still is, very much focused on enforcement as a solution, the key to preventing traffic deaths. Yet the United States is pretty far behind a lot of other developed countries. Most other developed nations have a lower fatality rate in traffic crashes than the United States. So we haven't got much to show for this emphasis on enforcement as the end-all be-all of traffic safety. When you look at the, the movement toward Vision Zero, and we call it a few different things in, in the United States, road to zero, toward zero deaths. In other countries, enforcement isn't part of that plan. It's supposed to be considered the last resort. That when you do design correctly, education and enforcement take care of themselves because you've designed a safe system. And we're starting to hear that phrase more often in the United States and and indeed in Texas and in Houston, safe systems. Because when you have a safe system where the network is designed safely and the vehicles themselves are designed safely, not just for occupants of the vehicle, but for people on the outside of the vehicles too, then you're taking care of most of the problem. Can you paint me a picture? What would that look like? What would what would a street designed safely in a, in a safe system? What would that look like? Yeah. Imagine a street like Richmond, major east-west thoroughfare, goes through the heart of Houston, through Montrose, and out toward, and as you head west, it goes through Greenway Plaza. Mm-hmm. Richmond has four to six lanes of traffic, narrow sidewalks, in many parts, a median in the middle. If you're driving on Richmond, chances are you feel pretty comfortable going at least 35, probably 40 or more, even though you're still very much in an urbanized area. There are very few cues for you to slow down Mm -hmm. other than lights at intersections. Yeah. But imagine Richmond through Greenway Plaza, for example, where it's six lanes. Imagine if it were four lanes in each direction and it had protected bikeways that were separated from traffic with concrete. Now you've got a street that has a great deal of throughput that could probably handle most of the throughput. Maybe you'd be a bit more congested at peak hours. But throughout most of the day, you'd have calmer traffic, you'd have more predictable speeds, and you'd have a safe right-of-way for everyone, regardless of what mode they use. So you'd have slower speeds, you'd have a dedicated space for each type of road user, and you'd have more safe crossings. Right now, in Greenway Plaza, Richmond has a few crosswalks that are just paint on the ground. There actually aren't even any curb ramps, so no one's really going to cross there. Hi. Yeah. Imagine... Mm -hmm. You know, the things that tend to make streets safer for everybody. One thing that we've seen done in Houston, for example, on Studewood, they added crossing islands. Studewood's a three-lane street 
and they put wide crossing highways in that center lane at key crossing areas, especially where there are bus stops. Because people who are bus riders are pedestrians too. They need to cross the street to get to and from bus stops. Mm-hmm. It's things like that. It's those interventions that often have pushback that are actually the things that make streets safer. Like that island, that is just where you could stop in the middle of the street when you're halfway across, but you'd have a safe space to be while you're waiting if you didn't make it across in time. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have so many places where it's difficult to cross the street. And in order to get to a, a signalized crossing, you have to walk quite a ways out of the way. You know, maybe it's you know, a tenth of a mile, a quarter of a mile farther just to get to a signalized crossway. Why do people not want those? Is that because it takes a lane that cars could use? Drivers are used to a status quo where their needs are met and everybody else suffers. Mm -hmm. And that's been the case in Houston for a long time. And you almost can't blame them for feeling that way. Because when you drive everywhere, you expect everything to go your way. You expect there to be enough parking spaces so that you don't have to struggle to find a place to park. You expect there to be not too much traffic. You expect the you know, the signals are timed so that you don't have to stop too often. There are a lot of expectations that drivers have that most drivers don't realize are kind of unreasonable, especially if you ever try getting around through any other mode. If you ride a bike around Houston, if you try to walk around Houston or take the bus, you're going to be inconvenienced. I can guarantee it. <laughs> Yet when you drive, we hardly ever ask you to deal with a little bit of inconvenience. And when we do, our government agencies communicate about it. They're very clear about what the purpose of this project is, how long it's going to take, how long you're going to be inconvenienced. So if we redesign our streets, they become much less attractive to that sort of normal speeding that you were talking about. They would give all the cues to slow down. Right. You can design most systemic speeding Mm -hmm. out of the system. And humans have accomplished this in other places. If you have a street that is essentially designed to let somebody drive at 45 miles per hour, but you're telling them go 30, then you've failed at the design. You've designed your street incorrectly. But you can design the speed so that people, most people won't feel safe driving faster than, say, 30 miles per hour. So your design speed and your posted speed are closer to a match. That's how you design out systemic speeding. With the other type of speeding, the antisocial speeding, that's where that last resort, that's where enforcement can actually play a role. Because speeding is really, really dangerous. If you're seeing a lot of it, this is a public safety problem. So typically, we tend to not push too hard on police enforcement. And that's not because we've got something against the cops, but it's more like You can't expect a police officer to be everywhere at the same time. You can't expect there to be a cop on every corner with a a radar gun. Yeah, we talk about lawbreakers and we worry a lot about safety, but this just seems like a different kind of safety than the ones that are often on our political ads. All right, Joe, any final thoughts? I think in order for Houston to be a city where people can feel truly safe traveling, regardless of how they get around. We have to do the design first. We need a safe system. But I think on top of that, in order to address a culture where the car is king and where getting on a bike equals taking your life into your hands or really crossing the street equals taking your life into your hands, there has to be some level of accountability. That comes in many different shapes and forms. And right now, there's very little of that. 
it's disheartening when people who have broken the law are able to get a pass. It's disheartening when when you see illegal parking all over the place and people don't get tickets for it. You know, when you know that drivers are able to get away with things that they might not be able to get away with had it not been that they were in a car. There's a popular saying, you know, if you want to kill someone, use a car. Because oh. if you're not drunk and you don't flee the scene, usually you can just say it was an accident. So we make a lot of exceptions for people when they're behind the wheel that we don't make for people who are not. All right, Joe. Thank you so much for talking with us. It's been a pleasure, Lisa. Thanks for having me. That was Joe Catrufo of Bike Houston. Now I am here with producer A.K. Al Moman. A.K., what else is going on in Houston news today? Hey, Lisa. Did you know that the Houston housing market is soaring right now? Unfortunately, it is affecting quite a few future home buyers, as only 41% of Texas households can afford the median price on a house. This recent development, based on a study by the Houston Association of Realtors, seems to be related to the pandemic, as prior to it, the inverse was true, where 53% of households could afford a home. Harris County's cheapest residential area in Aldine is at around 49% right now, which means it is still out of the reach of a majority of future homeowners. A home currently in Houston stands at a figure close to $90,000 a year, where only last year it was $62,000 a year for the same home. If this trend continues, places like Harris County and the rest of the Houston metropolitan area could price out many young families, including me, which is really sad to see as I can't imagine raising my family outside of the loop, much less to be pushed out to the outskirts of Houston. That is it for our show today. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at CityCast Houston. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk with you then. Rain and thunder where I am, so. Oh, yeah. Try to work around it. (laughs) It looks like we're about to get it, too.